What's up, guys? You're now listening to Devo with Uncle Theo, where we're going to tackle the Bible in the entire year. And we're on day three. And so today we're going to look at Genesis 7 through 9. And just to give a recap, we've got the Genesis 3.15 promise. We know that there will be one who will crush the head of the serpent, but he'll bruise his heel and there will be enmity. And we're looking for the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. And we saw the hostility immediately in chapter four. If you think about Satan knew who Cain belonged to, because John reveals that to us in first John. So he's, what is he thinking? He's probably, I, I got him. And they just start turning up. They start using guys' resources for metal, for cattle, you name it. And Lamech, we joke, he wrote the first gangster rap song. And they're just using evil to the point where every thought is evil continually. And God is, come on, I created woman. You do know she can have more kids, right? And so Eve has Seth. And we find out the seed is in Seth. And then we're going to find out through Seth, we have Methuselah and Lamech and Noah. And maybe this one will give us rest. And then we got to the point where we talked about the sons of God and the daughters of man. And we tackled that, that weird subject. Did I answer all your questions there, bro? You got me started. I got you started. I'll take it. I'll take it. Cause that's a, a tough passage. And today we're in chapter seven. So in chapter seven, it immediately opens up where you should take with you every clean animal by sevens, a male and his female and of the animals that are not clean to a male and his female. And that used to always confuse me because I always thought you just took two of each kind. And then I saw seven and I'm like, is this a contradiction? What's going on here? But then I thought about it, like doing research and looking at what scholars said. They said, you've had to take more in of clean because God institutes the sacrificial system. And if he would have took the clean animals and sacrificed them, he would have wiped out that kind. And so God is even making provisions for the sacrificial system. And I think that's beautiful, bro, because it tells me not only that God is making provisions, but that God wants relationship with man. Isn't that beautiful to you? What do you think about that? Did, did you ever see that in a text where you're like, man, why seven kind? Absolutely. And that, I think that, uh, that that's the best answer I've, I've heard. My, that was actually my question in the text because we're taught in Sunday school that he took two of each, uh, but we know that our God's a relational God and he wants to be in our lives. And so I think that was part of that uh, for Noah. Yeah, man. And he wants a relationship with man. In fact, he brings the animals to man. He makes provisions for the sacrificial system. And it says in verse 12 that the rain fell on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. And it was just eight of them, bro, on the boat. Noah, his wife, his three sons and their wives. And so, like we said, is the seed in Shem? Is it in Ham? Or is it in Japheth? And we'll see that very soon. We'll see where the seed flows through. And it says, I love this verse, man. In verse 16, it says, God, the Lord closed the door behind him. Man, God is all up in this. Like that would have been encouraging to me. Like I got everything. I obey God fully. The exact measurements. He brings the animals to me and then he closes the door. Like in my head, if I'm Noah, I'm like, man, I'm in God's will and it's about to go down. And so 
And I mean, he could have had a more humble disposition, trembling, you know, because he knows all of civilization is about to be destroyed. And so we keep reading in the text. And just to talk about the flood before we go to chapter eight, some people say that the flood wasn't universal, that it was more of a local flood. And I take the position that it was universal. And I tell you one of the main arguments that I heard that is cool to me, that makes me take universal. He said that if the flood was local, why did he have to build this huge ark? God could have said, look, take these two animals. Y'all get up. I'm thinking about one of my good friends, Deshaun. She was a drum major for Jackson State. Like she led a marching band. I'm thinking about that. Take these animals, get you a drum major, have a parade and go that way. <laughs> you know what I mean? The flood's going to happen here. Y'all just walk over there. Like, why do they have to build this huge, massive ark if it's not global? And the water is up to the mountains. You know what I mean? Not. Have you heard that argument, like just a localized flood? Now, no, I actually had never heard that argument. We can see even here in a lot of places in America, there's finding shark tooth in the middle of the United States. Yeah. How do those things get there? Got you. Nah, man. And, and moving the chapter to eight. It says, I love this. It says, but God remembered Noah. He remembered Noah. And this is not a human mind. Like, I forgot about him. Man, he's on that ark, and I remember him. The word remember means to have a focus and a relationship with. Because you see this brought up again. What does the thief on the cross say to Jesus? Remember me. It's not just don't forget me, but... God, I know your Lord enter into a relationship with me and make a place for me in paradise. And I think that word, in fact, I know that word remember has a deeper connotation to it than just memory. And so we see that and then we move into verse six. I think this is a really good nugget that was pointed out to me before it says, then it came about at the end of the 40 days. So it, it rains for 40 days and 40 nights. And that Noah opened up the window of the ark, which he had made, and sent out a raven. And it flew here and there until the water was dried up from the earth. Then he sent out a dove from him to see if the, the water was abated from the face of the land. So, bro, why a raven and then why a dove? Man, when I heard this pointed out, it blew my mind. Bro, what are ravens? What kind of creatures? They're scavengers. And so he sent the raven out to see if flesh was out there. And if the raven would have devoured the flesh, because that's a scavenger creature. And then he sends a dove out. And I was like, man, that just, that, it doesn't do anything for me, but to bring the realization that, man, death is out there outside the ark. Life is in the ark and death is out there to the point where you're sending a, a scavenger creature out there to see what's going on. And that just, it makes this text not fanciful to me. Like it makes it like real. Wow. It's really death going on. And I don't know how many people are estimated to be killed during this time, but it's just sobering to hear that he waits another seven days and he sends the dove out. And it says this. So Noah knew that the water had abated from the earth and he goes out and it says that he makes a sacrifice. He makes a sacrifice on the altar in verse 20. And that's just beautiful to me. So you see the clean animals, the purpose of it in verse 20. And the Lord smelled it and it was a smooth aroma. 
And I just think about what God said he, here. He said, I will never again curse the ground on account of man for the intent of the man's heart is evil from his youth. And I will never destroy every living thing as I have done. And then we enter into the Noahic covenant. So that's where I'm going to kick it to you a little bit so we can talk through this. But man, think about Noah, like sending the scavenger out, then going out there and making a sacrifice. What's going through his mind? Man, thank you, Lord. That could have been me. Like I could have been one of those who, who were killed, who was destroyed in this flood. And so we walk into, and I think we have to grab this and spend some time with the Noahic covenant. It says that while the earth remains seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. So that's one tenet of the Noahic covenant. What's another tenet of the Noahic covenant? That takes us into our last chapter nine. He says that, and God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. A repetition of, of the command in Genesis. And the fear of you and the terror of you will be on every beast of the earth and on every bird of the sky. And so now the fear of a man is in animal. And so the way I've heard it put to me before is before the end, animals weren't scared of man. So because of the fall, you got killer squirrels, you got deer charging at man. Like he's fending for himself, fighting off animals. And so it's chaotic in nature and God establishes some order with animals again. And now we see climate regularity. First, we see the fear of animals, the fear of man and animals. And what's our other tenet? Our other tenet is in verse four. Only you shall not eat flesh with his life. That is, it's blood. Surely I will require your lifeblood from every beast. I will require it. And from every man and from every man's brother, I will require the life of man. So that's government, bro. So government is now here because that's capital punishment. Like a life for a life, God created man in his image. Even though it's marred, he still says you should respect Imago Dei. You should respect man. And he gives punishment for that. And I think those are the things that we should remember. Like verse six even teases it out more. Whoever sheds man's blood, his own blood shall be shed. For in the image of God, he made man. As for you, be fruitful and multiply. Populate the earth abundantly and multiply it. And so he establishes his covenant. I think it's a good time to talk about the difference between unilateral covenants and bilateral covenants. And those are just fancy words. Un unilateral, one, and by two. So a covenant where one party is responsible and another covenant where two are responsible. And so this is a unilateral covenant where God is doing all of the work. We'll see another one in the Mosaic covenant where both parties are responsible. And then we'll see another unilateral covenant with the Abrahamic covenant. But when you see all of this so far, Brother Dustin, like what, what sticks out to you? Or is it anything that I fail to grab up to now in chapter nine before we, we close out? No, I was just thinking of the promise that God made that he would never wipe out um, earth again by flood. Uh, he also makes a statement uh, saying that the man's heart is wicked, even though it's wicked, 
Uh, and so and that's still there. He says that we still have a problem. Right. And so, but he also gives us a promise. Yeah. And I, I think you explained it to me, the best book that I had ever heard before, that God made war with man. Yeah. But then he stuck his weapon of war, which is the rainbow. He put it on the shelf. Man, don't drop that fire at the end of the podcast, bro. <laughs> and so let's end with the rainbow then. Yeah. So God creates the rainbow. And it, you say you got it from me, but I just got it from my favorite pro professor who is a uh, Dr. Chow. Man, he's taught me so much in the Old Testament. And he said that word in Hebrew literally means bow. So when you see the bow, that's God. We learned something else about the character of God. God isn't just this nice Santa Claus, this jolly guy. Like God is a warrior. Like he's just slaughtered humanity. And he says, I'm a warrior, but I'm going to put my weapon up. Like you said, I'm going to put my bow in the cloud. And this, this brings me back to the country. Like I used to go to Port Gibson and my granddad, man, he was a marksman with that rifle. Like he could shoot an armadillo in the, in the street so far away. And I used to be amazed. My grandma didn't play either. She would kill a rattlesnake. <laughs> she would shoot him, like run out and take him out. But one thing he did, he had a gun rack that was high up and you could put two or three rifles on it. And I would see him go put his rifle up when he got done. And that's literally what God did. I put my weapon up like I won't do this again. And I think it's interesting how wicked agendas always mock God's graciousness. Think about it. The bow. Who takes the rainbow and said, oh, so you are, you are not going to use this weapon no more? Nan, nanny, boo, I, hi, we'll take this and make it our symbol. Man, Man you see the mockery in that? Isn't that crazy, bro? Yeah, it's, it's Pretty funny. My my brother said earlier he he met a guy that said we can't let them weaponize the rainbow, Man. but but that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah, is they're shaking their fist in pride at God, trying to with his own weapon. Yeah, and he made a promise that he wasn't going to use that yeah. weapon and anymore. And that's interesting. That it to me shows that who's behind that, sure. how charged that is, demonically charged that is, and you see it again, don't you? It's almost like whatever God says is off limits or wicked, you see some people with an agenda that bring it back. The What is the, we'll study this in the, when we get to Leviticus, but the goat, the scapegoat, mm. the, what is it, the Ahazel goat? What, do, what does God say? Put your sins on it and cast it away. But what do you see with some dark secret societies or some occults? No, bring that goat back. Let's worship it. You know what I mean? Like, why is that always the case? Yeah, why what, exactly the opposite of what God says. We're going to bring it back and worship it and, get, and like dark forces and, and wicked places, which is why we should stay away from all of this stuff. They did have, I did hear a funny story about the goat getting cast out. And they said the goat a few days later would wander back in the camp. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and they'd freak out. <laughs> man, man. Oh, man, all our sins yeah. are back. <laughs> But yeah, we'll hit that next time. But man, thank you guys for tuning in. And we'll catch you tomorrow, day four. I'm never alone. I got much peace inside. You don't